0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini and in this episode we're going to talk about health care, medical issues, and how to find programs and services for your special needs child. Now this is probably one of the most challenging aspects of being a parent of a child with special needs. Because many kids with special needs have complex health challenges and sometimes regular medical practitioners don't have experience in the numerous specialized fields of health care that our kids may need. The other problem is, depending upon where you live, finding the right specialist can be difficult. For that matter, where do you go to get a diagnosis to see if your child really does have special needs? Well, a good place to start looking for accurate information about health care for your child in your area is your local county or city health department. Health departments have all the up-to-date information on all the health care specialists in your area. They usually have someone or a group of people on staff who can answer all your questions about special needs health care, and offer you advice on where you can find the help or assistance you need. To find out more, we're joined in this episode by Chris Buchik, who's the Public Health Program Supervisor for Children's Special Health Care Services of the Kent County Health Department in Grand Rapids, Michigan. She's also a registered nurse with a Bachelor's in the Science of Nursing. Chris, I think we'll start by asking how important it is to get an early diagnosis for children with special needs. Also, what age should a child be before parents consider if they need to have a diagnosis done? Because you know some people think that it's just the way these kids are, and there's not much that can be done at such an early age. But it really is important to get the child in early, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely, and really, the earlier, the better. And again, the um, the definition of special needs or what these kids could potentially um, have as challenges is huge, and depending on what that challenge is that the child has is going to help um, you're going to need to know what that is so that you can get the appropriate resources and and um, special help that the child can use to get the um, to get as ahead as they possibly can mm-hmm. or to catch up or whatever um, that whole diagnosis part a lot of that's going to go back to the um Primary care doctor, so it's really important that kids have a medical a medical home. These mm-hmm. days, medical home is a big um, you know term that everybody talks about, where the um, where you have a, a physician and support people within the um, the office to help do whatever for the kiddo. And the the Academy of Pediatrics actually has a very extensive. Recommendation list of when kids should be um, evaluated for various different things, and that actually starts, I think, even at the um, well, they start, of course, with prenatal history, but even at the newborn level, as something as um, common as height and weight, Mm -hmm. head circumference you know, they can tell a lot just from that. So, really making sure that the kids get to those visits. With the PCP, and, or the primary care physician, mm-hmm. and making sure that um, generally the, the physicians should all be buying into the, um, it's called the EPSDT, the Early Periodic Screening and Detection Program. Mm-hmm. There's a whole host of things that are covered by that. Um, if somebody wanted to see that specifically, you could look under the American Academy of Pediatrics, and Bright Futures is one of the things that they um, post or they've got tons of stuff out on their um, website. But that being said, what happens, I think, in reality for families is they, I guess, two things. Either they think, oh, my kid will grow out of it, and sometimes a physician might say, oh, your kid will grow out of it. Mm. But just from experience of parents and whatnot that I've talked to, that's not always the case. Families may sometimes bring up concerns to their physician. Sometimes they follow through with it, and sometimes maybe they don't. So... If we're going to be under the belief that the earlier we can find concerns, the earlier we have to address those concerns, all states in the United States have some kind of early intervention program that's supposed to work with kids zero to three that have suspected delays. Mm -hmm. Here in Michigan, that's called early on. So families can actually access the early intervention program in their communities on their own they don't have to have a referral from anybody mm-hmm. and those folks will um come to the home and do some kind of a developmental assessment in the generally it's in the home it should be in the um an environment that's comfortable and known to the child so that they do you know they do the best they can on whatever assessment tool they're using and then dependent upon where that assessment you know things come out then they would um recommend maybe some next steps. A lot of times it does involve, I think, the physician that families are involved with. So it really does help to have a good relationship with your PCP or to find one that you're able to talk to and and feel comfortable and you know that they're um, looking at your child for all, you know, various things that could be occurring. I think what also sometimes happens is parents may not want to exactly sometimes believe that their child has a concern because that's very difficult to
0: to To be able to accept
1: accept yeah and wrap your head around the whole thing so that makes it tough but absolutely the earlier the better and one of the easier i don't know if it's easier one of the things families can always do is to as a parent be aware of what the milestones our kids should be hitting Mm -hmm. and there's all kinds of great websites out there of what those um, milestones are the um, Center for Disease Control has some great ones by month, like they have two, four, six. The Academy does. I would just suggest the the places that people go are, you know, reputable. With the, with development, though, it's pretty pretty standard. The um, developmental milestone like charts and whatnot. A lot of communities, like here in Kent County, we have. Uh, system that when a, ki- a child is born here, all families get the opportunity to sign up for, oh, it's called the ages and stages questionnaire is what they use. And the families are mailed a questionnaire. I think it comes monthly. And then they can send it back. And then they have um, trained folks that are looking through those. And if there are any things that, that are, occur on there that may be a flag, they would let that family know so that they could follow up or get some follow-up about that.
0: Um That's great. for
1: instance, yeah, like a main milestone generally kids are sitting up by 6 months. Right. If they're not, you know, something should probably be looked into about that.
0: Right. And I know like you say a lot of parents unfortunately have the opinion that well, they're just a little slow but it's okay or well, you know, especially you could hear things like, well, boys are like that, you know, and they're not talking or they're not doing things, but uh, that those are usually actually a warning flag that you really need to look out for to to know if something's going on.
1: Absolutely, or you know, well, you did that too, or I did that as a child, or whatever it is. Yeah, you can. You don't want to explain away things that really could be be a concern for your child. Right. You want to try to address that early before they get into the school setting, because you can do a lot of help for those kiddos ahead of time
0: mm-hmm. before
1: they get to school.
0: Now, what kind of services exist through the health department for special needs kids at that early age?
1: Well, are you asking local health departments?
0: Yeah, or just health departments. I don't I don't know if there'd be health departments in general or if it would be uh, through... Well,
1: your... in the big global picture of things, the feds, the federal government has this, um, they actually, they have several different things, but one of them through the health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, HRSA HRSA.gov, they expect that all states are going to be doing something for the kids in their jurisdiction that have special needs. Mm -hmm. And they actually, the feds, it's called Title V Maternal Child Block Grant, where the money comes down. So if anybody ever hears anything in the news about cuts or extension or whatever for the child uh, maternal child health block grants MCH will be what they'll say that's something you want to pay attention to probably if you have a child with special needs because that's where a lot of the money comes down to for to the states ah. and then the states have they actually have to they have to match so much of the federal dollars um, in that maternal from those um, MCH dollars thirty percent of those dollars have to go to serve the population of of kids with special needs. So, every state in the US is doing something. Right. So, probably the best thing is depending on what state you you are in, you got to figure out where that is. And here in Michigan, what what happens is um, through the Michigan Department of Community Health, which now is Michigan Department of Health and Human Services since mm. they've
0: they merged combined them. with right.
1: yeah, Department of Human Services, DHS. Um, they are the, our state's um, arm that makes sure that something is done for the kids with special health care needs. And in Michigan, we're kind of different in a, in a way. It's really a really a cool thing for families with some of the kids that have special needs. The state has a program the state of Michigan has a program called Children' Special Health Care mm-hmm. Program. Mm -hmm. and that program helps pay for medical care and treatment for kids with certain medical diagnoses, and then the state decides what those diagnoses are. There's a lot of them, like 2,700, but the unfortunate thing is it does not cover um, cognitive or um, developmental delay issues or mental health issues, autism, Mm. Down syndrome, those types of conditions that need a lot of therapy and a lot of help right so so it's only um,
0: mostly for physical disability
1: yes and no mm-hmm. yes well like it covers anything from kids needing ear tubes ah, okay to kids with cancer mm-hmm. um cp cerebral palsy is covered for most of the time that depends on um severity it it they really look at what the diagnosis is and then what the care and treatment plan is And then for those families, it's a huge financial help because the program, anything related to that special diagnosis, the program helps pay for it. So even if you have good insurance, nowadays it seems like people's um, deductibles and co-pays are a lot higher. So if their child is on the children's special health care program, let's say for diabetes is their diagnosis, then any of the trips to the um, endocrinologist or their insulin or their pump or their test trips, all that kind of stuff, they would not have to pay any of their co or deductibles related to that. So it's very helpful for those families.
0: Yeah, because, because I know that in, su- in certain cases, for example, when we were dealing with our son's club feet, some of the uh, appointments that we had were considered by our insurance company to be consultations rather than actual diagnosis, and therefore they weren't covered. So that that's good to know about that.
1: Generally, for children's special health care within the state of Michigan, a child needs to be seeing a specialist. They have to see a specialist for something. Mm-hmm. There's a huge, there's a, the state has a, a good website about that at michigan.gov slash C-S-H-C-S, because it's Children's Special Health Care Services, and then how families actually connect through their local health department to get back to where the question started. Um, the state believes that it's, and one of the underpinnings of children's special health care is that the um, services are locally based, uh, family centered. And so when families can connect through their local health department, that's part of what I do at our health department in Kent County. Mm -hmm. And with um, my team is we help families not only connect to the program and help troubleshoot let's say they need a wheelchair, why is it taking six months? Well, try to figure out where did the system break down or help them with other resources that are available in the community. So we do that here in Kent County, and every health department within the state of Michigan has people like us that are working with the families um, with kids and adults with special needs. The This program also covers uh, folks 0 to 21, Mm -hmm. and we also have adults on the program that have hemophilia or cystic fibrosis. And then the state also runs a family center that is made up of parents that have kids with special needs, and I think there's six people on that team now that will help families either have somebody to talk to or they'll help connect them to people within their own community or, like, if somebody called our state number here, they may flip them back over to us here so we could help them at the local level.
0: That's great. Uh, sometimes parents might think that if a child is that young, how can some of the services help? So do you know offhand what services are available uh, for kids with special needs and do they can they make a difference at such a young age?
1: Absolutely. The early intervention that I mentioned earlier, the zero to three, if a child has a delay of some sort, they can have the early on services. And again, that's in in the state of Michigan. It's called early on. Federally, it's called early intervention. So again, states get money from this from the feds for early intervention. And then in the state of Michigan, it really depends on the county you live in because of of what the services are available. Here in Kent County, they're making um, home visits to those kids, and they're it's usually a um, a speech therapist or a PT or an OT, and they help the family learn what they can do within the child's daily routine that can help them with their development. Mm-hmm. So it could be, especially with our littlest ones, it ends up being um, things that, we, that look like play, which is what you want to do, more stimulation or reading or um, that type of thing. And they can give some specific ideas to families because, honestly, no kids that have any kind of a concern is ever going to get enough therapy probably paid for by any insurance or any state program or Medicaid or anywhere. It just really would not happen. So the best thing families can do for their kiddos is to learn what some of those things are that they can do to help promote their development. And so the earlier you start with that, the
0: better. Right.
1: Things towards, you know, speech, ideas for speech, gross motor, and, you know, fine motor kind of development.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, what are some of the misconceptions that you've heard about the parents have about health issues and the kinds of services available through their health department?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and kind of with what I was just saying before, nobody's going to get enough therapy. So no matter what your child might have going on, maybe say, well, what's, what difference is it going to get? He's not going to get, he or she won't get the help that they need. Well, you know, no, we can do, you can at least do the best that we can.
0: Right, and, of course, as you say, if, you can, if part of the therapy includes training the parents on how to do that therapy, then they can hopefully take up uh, where, where the others leave off.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, because a lot of our kiddos, I mean, you have kids that have feeding issues. Well, you know, feeding is so much a part of what families do every day. They, can, they help folks with different little tips and hints on what to do during feeding time. Or eating time, because sometimes a lot of times kids that may have speech delays, they could also have some kind of feeding thing going on. So, some of those things I think parents may miss their misconceptions too, may come in that maybe the therapist, what has been suggested by the therapist, maybe they just write that off as well. That's just something you know, that you would just do every day. It's not going to make a difference. Well, it's going to make a difference. Right. And and a lot of it has to do with consistency and um, just doing those things that can
0: help promote. Right. Unfortunately, yeah, a lot of people are kind of into immediate gratification, and if, uh, if it didn't work immediately, then what's the point? But uh, it's really consistency and continual persistence with it.
1: Absolutely. And some of our kiddos have a more difficult time than others on... Um, making gains, so sometimes you we, we want to celebrate the smallest gain that a kiddo can make because generally in development, there's steps to the different um, developmental occurrences, you know, like speech, they usually start out babbling, and you know, there's usually a progression for, you know, name the thing, even, you know, like for walking and those types of things. So sometimes our kids make such small gains But we don't, you know, you want to pay attention to that and really be aware and look for those. Sometimes they're very subtle. And I think as a parent, the awareness of what your child is really doing so you can kind of key in on that and then learn from the things that you can do to promote.
0: Yeah, it's just a lot of uh, having the patience and staying with it, I think, is what makes the difference.
1: Absolutely. And I think sometimes, too, what happens, what can happen with parents is it can seem overwhelming. Mm Mm-hmm. And so maybe at, you know, and that's not a time you want to give up. Maybe you just decide, okay, for this for this day, I just can't do anything more. But you want to get back on the bus because um, it is going to make you, you as the the parents are going to be the ones that can make the um, biggest difference in the home life, or whoever is um, taking care of the child too during the day. Because you know, a lot of our kiddos now they're getting there's a lot more kids in. Um, daycare, child care, whatnot. So to have you'd wanna make sure that those folks too, or grandparents or whoever, that is if they're spending large amount of time with the with the kids, that they also have some um education or hints on those things too so they can carry those about if the parents are working or not available.
0: You know, finding out that your child has special needs can be overwhelming, even traumatic for some parents, especially if it's unexpected or for the first time. Uh, support groups can help parents deal with these experiences. Can you give an overview of what some of the support groups are like or what they offer for parents?
1: Well, sure. We we happen to run one here uh, that, that I facilitate, and um, we just open it to any family that has a family member with special needs. And with our group and with some of the um, different support groups in town, it kind of depends on s- some support groups are kind of topic driven where they say, okay, today we're going to talk about camps or resources or something. In our support group, we or what the families really want is a place to just be able to talk about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so um, a lot of times it might be someone who has a child that just got a new diagnosis. And that is, like you said, it's hugely overwhelming. There's a huge web of services out there that people generally, unless you have a family member with a special needs, you have no idea of the web of services that are out there. So that can be hugely helpful in a parent group because you've got other parents that that are now a part of them or they have been part of different services. They can give input as to what really worked for them, if they have a child that might be similar with need. Families will be, and parents will be brutally honest generally in those, so you really get What's real and working in the community versus what maybe looks good on paper but might not be there.
0: Right. Well, we really happening. (laughs) Yeah, we've always found that our best advice always comes from other parents in similar situations because they can say things like, "Oh, yeah, we tried that; it didn't work," or "Oh, this was really good. You should look into this."
1: Correct. Yeah, and it's I just love the support group. I. I have a son that has special needs but and then I work in this every day, but I have to tell you, and I think i we've had our we our support group meets monthly. I learn something every time, and we've been doing this probably for fifteen years i think wow so we we have a group, and the kids the families do not have to have a kid on the children's special health care program, probably half of them do not because they have some other diagnosis, maybe autism or whatever um and at ours, we offer child care and we also have food because you, there's there's some really good support groups and opportunities for families. But my real belief is that families, even though it might be the best thing for a family to go to, it's hard to get out, right. especially if your kid is is little or they're just getting home from school. Um, it's hard to go back out sometimes in, in the evening. So we offer food. We have pizza and um, we offer we have um, child care, of course, so we have a lot of staff that come in and help out with the kids. It's a huge adventure because the kids are, it gets really um, very, very adventuresome around here. So that's been great. But that's really helpful for families if the group has um, a child care component available. And the other thing is then the kids, it's really fun to see them interact too. It's It's really a cool thing. And I think for parents to see other kids. Right. So it it gives you more of a real picture of what's what's going on.
0: Well, that's great because, you know, they always say the hardest thing for most parents who have a special needs child to find is a babysitter.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Because most don't want to deal with them. That's
1: true. That's true. We've had some success with, um, I think within the state of Michigan now, we have this thing called Great Start. It's Great Start to Quality. It used to be the um, four C's where families could... Um they could look there for child care options mm-hmm. and some some of the options there's actually a quite an extensive um computer program that will actually show you what's and these are all licensed child care options home either in the home or in centers mm-hmm. and i even myself had found some um folks to. Um, care for my son after school because there's all kinds of issues if you if your kids in school and where the bus goes and blah blah blah. Right. So sometimes that at least was a place to start if you didn't have you know if you exhaust your family members and your neighbors and you have to go somewhere. Sometimes those people on the list at least you could talk to them and see you know are you open to my you know my child has this extra need of blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. You know and sometimes you can find people that way but the whole um babysitting or respite is a huge need for families just to be able to get away and get a breath and that's very difficult to find you're pretty much going to have to pay for it on your own if you're able to and then finding you know an appropriate person can be a challenge right and that too like you said if you're in a parent group too that can sometimes help you because you can ask the other parents what they've done our from our parent group we they Wanted to start a Facebook page, which we have now, and families can get on there and they share things. It's a closed group for families with kids or with members with special needs. So that's been another nice thing, a way for families and parents to be able to share with each other and get ideas on various things.
0: That sounds fantastic. Now, um, different, as we talked earlier, different states and different counties have a variety of services for children with special needs. And, you know, trying to navigate through some county and state health uh, websites can be uh, quite uh, quite a process. What What should parents look for when they're searching through health department websites in order to get the help the the quickest way possible?
1: Well, I would say most help. In Michigan, for sure, you're going to find the people that are involved with children's special health care. So it probably depends on how they have their website set up. I think for us in King County, ours ends up being listed. If you get in deep enough... Into the health department, you could find, um, I think it was called special needs populations or something, Um, or maybe search for it. Or at least if you can find, if you finally get somewhere in there, if you call somebody at the health department, they should know who to talk to. Like, just calling into your local health department. Like, if somebody just called into our health department there, they'd end up with me or one of my team members. Oh, okay. Um, So, and I would... And I think most health departments in Michigan they're going to be like that because with our our mission is not only to the kids that can qualify in our on children's special health care but also to the broader population of kids and youth with special needs to help them find what we do have within the community so there's people like us that we kind of make it our job to be aware of what the other resources are and this is a big county sometimes the big federal definition is children and youth with special health care needs and its acronym is C Y S H C N. If you put that in and have some um to itiveness you can eventually find somebody in your community that can is working with that population. Okay. And sometimes the schools, maybe, depending, you know, on special ed schools, they hopefully are aware of some of the resources. Maybe, um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how. It, it, I think it depends. If you have more of a campus-based special ed program versus being within a district, some folks have more knowledge of, of the resources than others. Because, again, it's overwhelming. It's a big, I call it a web of services.
0: Now, do you think uh, parents should uh, also contact their local school districts to see what uh, is available for their kids when they uh, start going to school? Is it important for the parents to uh, contact the district ahead of time to talk over services?
1: absolutely, and that's something, too, that starts way before, if you're thinking school age at 6 or 5, or I don't know what you're thinking of as school age, but here... Early intervention is zero to three population. Okay. Here in Michigan, our special ed starts at zero. In other states, it starts at school age. So in Michigan, what will happen is if you're involved in early intervention and your child looks like they are fit the definition for special education in Michigan, they will receive special ed services as early, you know, as, Somewhere between zero to three, and then a lot of the special ed is actually home based at that time. Here in Kent County, we have Keneshe is a name of um, our probably our biggest that they Keneshe actually is within Grand Rapids public, but it draws from kids all over the district, the uh, Kent Intermediate School District, and then those kids if the if the kiddo um, fits the the criteria for special education, that needs to be covered by the uh, the school district that you live in. If your school district cannot provide the educational services that your child needs, but maybe they need more intensive services that is available somewhere else in the county, then that district will pay for you to be in the right location for your services.
0: Wow, that's great.
1: So, yeah, every single school district has a special education director, and each district Every district has to, um, if you've got concerns about your kiddo, they need to do um, some kind of evaluation and testing for special ed. If a child qualifies for special ed, they will end up having what's called an individualized educational plan that is written up in conjunction with big, it should be big on family input, and that is what is supposed to drive the... Um, education for to address the special needs so that the child can get the education that they need. Some kids don't quite fit the special ed um, criteria and they might get what's called a 504 plan um, where they, uh, some kids might get that that might have attention deficit disorder, for example. They may not um, be to the level of what would be considered special education, but they could still have their needs met through that, perhaps through the 504. Maybe they need special arrangements for when they're taking a test, for example, because they can't do a big group or whatever.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to uh, talk about as far as uh, you know the services and what parents should look for?
1: Um, generally, there's services out there. You may not always get what you totally want and think that your child needs, but there's going to be... There's going to be some services out there. And I would say that um, I guess the one thing I'd really like to say is to keep keep up the hope. And you're going to, as a parent, you're going to be the biggest advocate that your child has. Mm-hmm. And so some days it's going to be a lot harder to do that than others. But, you know, it's okay. You have a bad day. Then the next day hopefully is going to be a better day and you'll get further that day. It's kind of like a, a roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. But And then there's I, I also believe that people will be put into your path that can help you. So try to be aware of the people that you come in contact with that can really be the ones that can help you and help you find um, different things that can help your child and your family.
0: Thanks again to Chris Buchick of the Kent County Health Department in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We have links to all of the sites that she talked about on the webpage for this episode of Special Parents Confidential. And as always, a reminder that if you like this episode of Special Parents Confidential or any episode we've done, please share our site with your friends, family, and all the connections you have on social media. You can do this easily with the social media buttons on our website. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, add us on Google+, or any of the other sites like Tumblr, LinkedIn, Pinterest, StumbleUpon, Reddit, and others. You can also sign up for our email service and have new posts and podcast episodes delivered right to your inbox the moment they're available online. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you have a moment, feel free to write a review about our podcast there. Anything you can do to help spread the word about Special Parents Confidential will help us be able to continue these podcasts. And that's it for this episode of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini. Thanks for listening.